lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. And now, so are all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show and look for us as well on platforms that more value free speech. Look for me on MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Speaking of MeWe, you will be taking center stage next hour with our weekly town hall returns with our Monday Ask Me Anything questions coming from our followers on MeWe. We look forward to being blindsided by those next hour. You got some good ones, Todd? Yeah, it's pretty much going to be Theology Thursday on Monday. Oh, good stuff. All right, looking forward to it. All right. Uh, also, if you want clips of the program that you can sample and share for free that are uncensored, unedited, unfiltered, go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Also, a little programming note. Later today, I will be a guest with our new colleague, Jason Whitlock, on his show, Fearless. I am almost caught up on episodes, by the way, and so far, it's exactly what yep. I hoped it was going to be. There was a line that Uncle Jimmy said <laughs> the other day. I was I was winding down yesterday afternoon, playing a little MLB The Show. Noah had a buddy over, always out with her friends. Amy's taking a nap, so I got a little me time, and uh, so I'm listening to this episode, and I, I won't even say what he said on the air, okay? But he said something that I indiscriminately, in my man cave, by myself, listening to this, busted out laughing out loud. I literally LOL'd. You might even know what line yep. I'm even talking about. Yeah. Okay, I watched talking it in about, the studio the other day, and I, I did the exact same okay, thing. Talking about to when he was in law enforcement? Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, but much shibboleth smashing going on with this program, and um, he's going to have me on to talk about... Uh, Tucker Carlson being targeted. That was a column I wrote for the Blaze over the weekend. Uh, will Fox News stand behind one of its, it, it, it not one of its, its most bankable talent, at least right now? And what's the overall state of conservative media? I'll be discussing those things with Jason Whitlock, our new colleague here at Blaze TV. That'll be later on this afternoon, so make sure you are tuned in for that. Coming up today on this program... Uh, We'll be talking to our good friend Bob Vanderplatz at the bottom of the hour. He'll be previewing their leadership summit, and it's looking like this is going to be the biggest one they've had yet. Multiple potential presidential candidates will be in uh, will be in attendance, provided Donald Trump doesn't run again, which he will. Uh, But uh, we'll get into all that and more previewing this event. I mentioned already our month, our, our weekly Ask Me Anything from MeWe questions. That's coming up next hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by My Body, My Choice. That was the rallying cry for so many radical feminists, specifically 
When it came to the issue of baby murder, you know, the practice Planned Parenthood makes bank on every year. Just to give you an indication of how radical that organization is, a couple of years ago, they ousted their former director, Dr. Leanna Wynn, ostensibly because she wasn't radical enough on the issue of baby murder. This is the same Dr. Leanna Wynn who, this weekend, in an appearance on CNN in her new capacity as the network's medical analyst, had this to say about people who don't get vaccinated. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci got his authoritarianism on again. I have been of this opinion and I remain of that opinion that I do believe at the local level, Jake, there should be more mandates. There really should be. We're talking about life and death situation. We've lost 600,000 Americans already and we're still losing more people. There've been 4 million deaths worldwide. This is serious business. So I am in favor of that. George Washington University professor Jonathan Reiner. Uh, I do think uh, it's time to start mandating uh, vaccines. And I think that private industry and private organizations will do that. You know, at GW University, where I work, uh, starting uh, this fall, you can't be on campus unless you're fully vaccinated. Premier professional golfer Bubba Watson announced over the weekend that despite the fact he's vaccinated, he's not going to be competing at the Open Championship this week because he had direct exposure to someone who tested positive for the virus and British policy prohibits him from traveling. All this so Big Pharma's coffers stay nice and bloated, did I say that out loud, and people like this feel safe. It's vaccination day. It's vaccination day. It's time for vaccine shot number two. I've got my mask with Pikachu, but I am running seven minutes late. I hope they'll jab me anyway. I really want this shot today. Now my fear of COVID can abate. I'll see actual real life people. It'll be totally strange. Wow, am I so ready for this change? And for the first time in forever, I'll emerge from my lockdown. For the first time in forever, I'll go catch Pokemon downtown. According to British researcher Joel Smalley, quote, since VAERS, that's the U.S. government's vaccine adverse event reporting system, since VAERS records began over 30 years ago, over 10% of all serious vaccine adverse event reports occurred in April of this year. And so far, almost 40% in 2021 alone. Serious includes emergency treatment, hospitalization, permanent disability, and death. Some good news, according to multiple outlets, the Indian Bar Association, that's the largest association of lawyers in that country, is suing World Health Organization chief scientist Dr. Sumya Swaminathan for discouraging the use of the drug ivermectin to treat patients with COVID-19. The Bar Association is suing the doctor for murder for each instance of death resulting from the obstruction of treatments like ivermectin. If this case goes to court, the doctor could face the death penalty or life in prison. 
Moving on, mass protests broke out in Cuba over the weekend. Cubans took to the streets to protest against the country's communist government. The Biden White House says the protesters are upset about not having enough vaccines. Vice President Kamala Harris says voter ID laws are discriminatory because... You're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. Learning bumpkin today. Today's phrase is bless her heart. Bless her heart. Cancel culture update. There seems to be a coordinated effort to shut down Promise Keepers National Gathering event in Dallas, Texas this week. The event is expected to be hosted at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. In recent days, a USA Today reporter called upon Jerry Jones, the owner of the stadium, to cancel the event because apparently a gathering of Christian men is now, quote, bigotry and hate speech. The Dallas Observer published a story with this headline, quote, an expected 80,000 Christian men afraid of men wearing dresses will gather in Dallas. Speaking of another event in Texas this last weekend, CPAC 2021 Texas chose not to invite the two authors of arguably the best-selling conservative book of the year so far, but they were super totally fine with a gender-confused individual from California to show up and carouse because he's a Republican or something. A 2024 straw poll was held at CPAC Texas, with Donald Trump leading Ron DeSantis 70% to 26%. Without Trump in the race, DeSantis leads the field with 68%. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. You know, we have been warning you about home title theft on this show for a while now. This is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the new owner. Uh, And that's why we've been urging you to get Home Title Lock, because you never know when a data breach that reveals personal info to cyber thieves can happen and make you vulnerable. And yes, maybe they can't steal your identity, but now they know a middle name, a maiden name, a birth date, an address, whatever you use to identify as you online, they now have, courtesy of a massive data breach that just happened at Facebook, by the way, 500 million accounts, all those middle names, middle initials, maiden names, addresses, etc. What's school you went to all those things you know when you lose a password and what's that what's the password question to get my password retrieved what school did i attend in elementary school what high school did i graduate from what's my maiden name we put a lot of that stuff on our facebook pages these days do we not yeah and so when that stuff is breached at facebook cyber thieves now have this they log in where your home's title is kept as you make it look like you sold your home to them via a quit claim deed and before you know it you're off your home's title, you're out of all that equity, and they're on it. Get 30 free days of protection right now. That's right, I said free. Get 30 free days of protection right now from our friends at Home Title Lock during this high-risk breach to make sure this hasn't already and won't happen to you. When you use the promo code RADIO, promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to um, a rea- reacting to what's in the montage. And a, and a lot of what is in Aaron's montage today has to do with the vaccines are now fully shifting into the, the, the forecasted tyranny that we predicted at the start of this year, that masks and lockdowns, all of that leverage would eventually end because the data just would not support it and would all be shifted over to forced vaccination, that it's grooming for some sinister reason or reasons. And it took a while. And for a while, it looked as if eh, maybe we actually 
for once were paranoid for nothing. But now that they've capped out at 50% vaccination, and we've had a lot of states come forward, red states, and say, you will not impose this on our people whatsoever. Now that it looks like they're, li- they're going to lose the House and likely even the Senate next year, you get the sense a little bit that the, 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 the devouring lion realizes time may be running short to rack up whom he may devour, if you get the drift of the metaphor I'm drawing there. All right. So it appears that we're going to ramp this up quite a bit here in the second half of the year because we're A, at a herd immunity threshold, and B, even if, even if, which is likely, Republicans winning Congress doesn't do anything to dent them and the power they've already imposed on us, on some level, it will at least slow down their ability to continue wielding it or impose it at the level that they would like. Fair? Yeah. Maybe. You know, perhaps. So, with the Overton window on that closing, they're upping the stakes. And again, it's the same game plan we saw last year. All out of context, all not true, all eyes. For example, yesterday on July 11th, the United Kingdom had 176% higher COVID hospitalization admissions than it did on July 11th, 2020. On July 11th, 2020, 204 people were admitted into UK hospitals with COVID. Yesterday, that number was 543. That's an increase of 176%. Why does that matter? Well, also because on June the 3rd, the UK hit an 85% vaccination threshold within its population. Every member of the United Kingdom population, 85% has had, that's all demographics, has had at least one jab of vaccine. Since then, cases have gone up over 600% in the country. And as I mentioned yesterday, hospitalization admissions were up 176% from where they were a year ago. Israel, the most vaccinated per capita nation in the world, is now seeing some similar increases in those demographics as well. Now, as we said last week on this program, and let me reiterate, we cannot sit here and tell you, see, we're not going to lie to you. We don't have an agenda. We just want to know what the truth is. That's all we've ever wanted to know. We can't sit here and tell you that even an asymptomatic exposure to COVID, if indeed it is partially to fully a synthetic manufactured virus, as we believe it is, all of us on this show believe that to to some degree. Some of us, one of us may think it fully is, one of us may think it partially is, but none of us believe that this is an entirely natural phenomenon. Therefore, if we all believe that, can we sit here and say that even an asymptomatic exposure doesn't risk anything long-term for you. Can we say that? No. No. Could we say that about a natural virus? Something closer to that, yes. Yeah. So therefore, if we don't think this is a natural phenomenon or fully not a natural phenomenon, can we say that about this? No. No. Which is why my mom in her 60s with almost no immune system, she was one of the Americans that was actually uh, got H1N1, okay? So it's why I I recommend it to my mom that she should take her chances with these vaccinations rather than uh, any, any past exposure or natural immunity. We can't say that. 
You know who also can't say that there are no real long-term ramifications for their experimental injections being exposed to those? The pharmaceutical companies. Can they say that either? No. No. I mean, they just started doing these human trials last fall or this winter. We don't know what these things are going to do in 10 or 20 years. It's a brand new technology. Every time it's been tried in trials, it's shown little to no efficacy. This is the first time it's been mass imputed to a population, and it's, it's being done so on a global scale. So we're totally fine with admitting we don't know what the long-term ramifications are for one side of the argument. How come the other side's not willing to do so for theirs? All of the potential answers to that question are bad. They're all bad. They rank somewhere from zealous malfeasance to something sinister. Shall we say nefarious? Let me provide some more context for you. So Anthony Fauci is out there saying, Lord Farquaad, is out there saying that 99% of the COVID deaths in America, or deaths with COVID, because we haven't changed our coding on that yet, 99% of these deaths are now among the unvaccinated. Now, that's probably a lie, because almost everything he has said for the last year plus has been a lie, either of omission or commission, either passively or aggressively. However, for the sake of this conversation, I'm actually going to grant his point because I want to show you something. Let's assume that he is not lying. One of the biggest assumptions we've ever made in the history of the show, but let's assume it just this once. The United States has not reached 1,000 daily deaths with COVID since April 8th. That is more than three months ago. When was the last time you were told that? In a nation of 328 million people, we have not reached 1,000 daily deaths with COVID in this country since April the 8th. Furthermore, in the month of July through yesterday, the United States is averaging right around 230 daily deaths with COVID. 230 in July. Let me put that in perspective for you. Uh, Heart disease is the number one killer in America. About 1,800 people die daily of heart disease in this country. Car accidents, about 90%, I'm sorry, about 90 people die of car crashes every day. So it's more lethal than a car crash, nowhere near as lethal as heart disease as things currently stand in America. So why do they leave that context out of their comments? Hmm. Let's continue on. Let's add some more context, shall we? Um, if we put this into further context, here's what those odds mean. 230 deaths a day, 328 million people. That means today, July 12th, 2021, you currently have 0. 0.00, 0, 0, four zeros, 0. 0.00007% odds of dying today with COVID in the United States. And by the way, that's not weighted for age or comorbidity, which would drop the odds for a lot of people far more. That's just across the board, first grade division. Every unvaccinated American, therefore, should be asking themselves, 
if that risk is worth the risk of an experimental jab from the people who are lying to you about the context of their own statements, lied to you last year with lockdowns, lied to you this year with masks. Is that worth the risk? Finally, of course, this doesn't even consider those millions among the unvaccinated like myself who have natural immunity. If we fact meaning from a past exposure or a past infection, if we factored those numbers in, see, that's why we're at herd immunity. Because of the millions of Americans that have already been exposed to this. If we factored those numbers in, the minuscule 0.00007% odds would diminish all the more. What do you think the math is? If you're not in a high-risk group and or you've had a documented past infection, so you have natural immunity. If it's 0.00007% that you will die today with COVID for everyone. And now the median age of death with COVID in America has actually surpassed the average American lifespan. Last year, it was right at it. Today, as we stand, it's slightly above it. So we're talking about a virus that today, looking at our current numbers, you have 0.0007% odds of dying for, and that's before we even weigh comorbidities, the age profile, and weed out those who have had past infections so they have natural immunity. What do you think you have a greater odd of? Dying with COVID or suffering some form of a serious adverse side effect from these jabs? Well, looking at their own documented website and looking at these numbers, it's really not even close. Throw in the fact that 10 years ago, Harvard did a study that found maybe 10% of adverse side effects actually get reported in the system. Now, let's assume in 10 years, maybe they've done something to try to get more accurate reporting, more forthcoming reporting, maybe. Again, providing as much, I have no problem providing the benefit of the doubt because I only want to know what the truth in the data shows. I don't have an agenda. It's people that have an agenda that won't offer the benefit of the doubt of their own positions. Let's give them a way benefit of the doubt. And let's say that they've cut that number in half, both with situational awareness after that study came out a decade ago, and then also there's even more reporting going on because of how much coverage there is of these vaccines. Is that fair? Right, sure. Okay, and and therefore with the amount of vaccination that's going on in the country, this is probably the largest vaccination effort we have mounted as a country since polio, maybe. Okay, so... Let's say that that decreases the amount of undocumented cases, their own awareness after that study from Harvard came out 10 years ago, and let's say they've cut that number in half. Now, that's a lot of benefit of the doubt. Fair? Yeah. Okay. But now you're you're just 45% off in the calculations of adverse side effects instead of 90 Still do that math. The reality is 
There's no guaranteed outcomes here. Be wary, skeptical of anybody, regardless if they've got a cross necklace, they're in a pulpit, they've got a mic in front of their face, they've got a a monogrammed, logoed sport coat from an official network. Or it's Pedro promising to make all your dreams come true. Be very wary of anyone who speaks about, or maybe their name's Greta Thunberg. Be very wary about anyone who speaks with great certainty about future events that we don't have data to back up. Period. Very wary. Chances are they're a fool scam artist, or a wannabe tyrant. Any of those options good? No. No. So begin from a premise of skepticism, healthy. Reject that. I'm going to pull a Columbo on him. I'm going to kind of need to, I'm going to need to see some of the numbers on that one. But thank you. Because I'm not, I'm not buying that. By the way, where do they get all this data? I got to tell you guys. Man, I just respect the hustle. I went to the Worldometer website where they have everything laid out in charts and graphs. and I divided it by the population of America. Took me about three and a half minutes to do this before church yesterday. Took me longer to type up the Twitter thread, actually. That's, that's what it did, guys. See, they also think you're dumb. And worse, they think you're lazy. They don't think you'll do that. Don't prove them to be right about you. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? Well, if you keep going to a doctor's office after treatments that the doctors themselves prescribed and... You're feeling better. You're doing better in every measure. And you they keep telling you, no, that's, that's not true. You're actually doing worse. And you keep going back to that same doctor. This It is a you problem because that's what you're doing with Fauci right now. By at the very least demanding that he is gone. And I, you don't, it, it has nothing to do with being a Republican. You're the people of reason and science. That guy is peddling the stuff of Rumpelstiltskin in Shrek 4 to you. Mm. That's it. That's it. You're a cartoon character if you listen to anything Fauci says at this point. And yet, I, I, I don't know. It's hard, to, it's hard to say how many of our comrades, which we're going to probably have to start calling each other that sooner than later. How many of our comrades in the United States are more in line with the dude we, I'm sorry, the person we saw in the montage singing uh, First Time in Forever in just the most cringy way, talking about getting his vaccine, getting its vaccination? Um, Or how many actually are just too afraid? This has everything to do with with cancel culture as well. The reason why we have a cancel culture is because, first and foremost, we have a coward culture. 
people not willing to call the bluff of those in power and those who are seeking to do evil things. The reason we remember Neville Chamberlain as a coward is because he cowered to Germany. And he goes down, and then Germany, of course, tried to cancel, um, you know, basically Western Europe after that. This has everything to do. The reason why we have this cancel culture, the reason why we're even having these conversations, oh no, are they going to come door to door? Am I going to be forced to take the vaccine at work? I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not calling you necessarily a coward, but I'm just saying, by and large, this country is made up of cowardly men. That's why we even have to talk seriously about some of these issues that in a million years, maybe 20 years ago, we would have never imagined we'd be talking about. Is it cowardice? Is it laziness? Is it uh, fearfulness or some combination of the three? If anything, the last year and a half has shown us is that we don't have time to ask those questions. Now is the time for ask, uh, action. Now is the time to push back. We can do a retrospect later, a retrospective later, but now is the time to fight back against these fools who think you are too stupid, too lazy, too much of a coward to do what needs to be done, which is, at the end of the day, just saying no. What's, what's the Declaration of Independence, guys? An entire document that could be really wrapped up, really, in one word. You know what the word is? Nope. No. No. Nope. Not doing that anymore. Nope. No. So, better get a lot more comfortable with that word. No. Embrace it. Marinate in it. Enjoy it. Love it. The magic word is no. You know, you've got too many reasons to be stressed out these days. Don't make your male pattern baldness be another one of those, nor your receding hairline. It doesn't have to be when you've got Keeps. It offers the same doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but they offer the generic version, so you're only going to pay about half the cost with those. And they offer a great deal as well as convenience. You do everything online, answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you that's shipped right to your door. So, if you want to get started, how about even more savings on the back end? Big savings on the front end with the generic versions, then all that convenience. Then on the back end, we offer you half off your first order. To get started now, when you go to Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, Keeps.com slash grow. That's Keeps.com slash grow. Let's welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplotz from the Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How you been? Been doing really well. It's a big week. We're looking forward to Friday and looking for forward to Saturday as well. <laughs> the day after Friday. So the the leadership summit that you guys put on every summer is coming up this week. What are you seeing out there? We'll get to who the headline speakers are sure. in a second. But what are you seeing out there from just your base here? Oh, gosh. lots In terms of, of energy level. Lots of energy. And, I, and we're trying to figure out why. Uh, so if you recall, last year we did a leadership summit. 
we're one of the only groups that still did a in-person leadership summit. I thought it was either you guys or Dave Ramsey that did the first mass in-person event uh, in during COVID. I actually year. think it was us because they're looking at us as a test case about, you know, because the media was thinking, you know, we're going to have this massive COVID outbreak afterwards. Uh, we had zero. Uh, but this year, the energy level, we're going to set uh, all-time records for attendance hmm. in an off year. Uh, our fundraising numbers. I mean, just everything looks like there is a lot of energy about we want to be here during an off year. So is it because they just want to get out of the house because COVID's over? Uh, do they want to just, I mean, are they so concerned about Biden and Harris that they want to get in the game? Uh, do they just want to be around fellow people that believe like they do? I don't know, but it, it there's a high energy level for this one. Hmm. So how many years have you guys been doing this leadership summit? This is our 10th annual leadership. So okay. you spoke at our first one, that, Steve. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. So this would have been, this would have encompassed some of the Tea Party era. Yeah. And then some of the, the energy level in 2015 when we had the 20 candidates running and then, you know, the arguably the world's biggest reality TV show star. Sure. Right? So you think right now, based on what you're seeing, that the energy level you're seeing from your base is higher now than it was even at the tail end of the Tea Party era and heading into that 2016 primary cycle? Well, heading into the 2016 primary cycle wouldn't be a fair comparison. Because it wasn't an off year. Because we're going into 2022, and it's the off year going into 2022. But I would say, yes, uh, they are very excited and very interested, and not just to hear the headliners of Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, Christine Noem, there's a lot of them that want to hear Governor Reynolds. There's a lot of them that are looking forward to Steve Dace and Fauci and Bargain and Christian Manifesto. There's a lot of them that are interested in Joel Rosenberg and Ken Starr and Dal Tackett. Uh, and, and then Michael Youssef of Leading the Way. I, I, matter of fact, he's the one that's probably surprised me a little bit of how much interest there is in Michael Youssef, a pastor of Atlanta, mm-hmm. with Leading the Way. Okay. So we're excited. And you're not, some of it, I, I do think some of it is let's get out of the house. But I don't think that's a lot of it in Iowa because we have not lived as restricted as much of the rest of the country has for the last year plus, right? So I, I, I'm guessing you there is some layer of your people that maybe were hesitant to go last year that are more anxious and 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 feel more comfortable going this year. But I just, in our state, by this time last year, we were hosting nationwide high school sporting events in our state, or we were about to. So- I just don't know that that's a huge factor. So then tell me what else it would be. Well, I think it's got to be that they see the climate and they see that uh, maybe that they're being lied to, uh, that their country is hanging in the balance right now, their mm-hmm. worldview, uh, their their belief. Are they willing to live out their belief anymore uh, that, that they have this type of an interest? But guys, you got to remember, this is July, a Friday in July. Meaning people have to take PTOs, they have to take time off to come to this. And the attendance is through the roof. Uh, they're excited. The energy is high. Uh, I think what it does, it bodes very well for 2022. But honestly, I think it also bodes very, very well for the church. Uh, there's a remnant of the church that is starting to take this call of, of uh, impacting the culture very, very seriously. And not just for a Republican win or some candidate win. But how do we advance God's kingdom? And so we're excited about all the pastors that are showing up. 
uh, it, it's just going to be a great day. Let's talk about the speakers then. I, I want to know, let's look at, to me, there's, you have three obvious headliners there that will all run for president if Trump does not, which he will. So <laughs> let, let, let's look at those three and what do you think they will say? And then I want you to tell us what you would suggest that they address or say. And if those two things are the same, that's totally fine as well. And I mean, the obvious headliner is the former vice president, Mike Pence. Sure. And I think, Steve, maybe it goes, maybe it's true for all three of them. Uh, but I just got asked this question by David Yepson and Iowa Press on Friday. You know, what are we looking for? And I say, I think what our base is looking for is authenticity. Do you really believe what you believe to be really real? I mean, there's, you know this, there's a lot of people that come to us and they, they just want to have our vote, right? And they're going to say what we want them to say uh, or what we want to hear. But we want to know, do you really believe it? And is there a pattern, as you and I have talked about before, is there a consistency of conviction? Is there a consistency of character, which basically defines your character, that you want to highlight and that you want to trump, so to speak, to say, this is who I am and this is what our country needs right now? Uh, I think what you're going to see from Christy Noem, I think what she's going to talk about is a lot about her leadership during COVID. And I think she's also going to talk about, because I read a little bit about what she talked about at CPAC, about how conservatives didn't give her a fair shake, and some of the conservative media didn't give her a fair shake through the uh, boys playing in girls sports issue, the, the gender issue, because she believes that she's right there. So my guess is she's going to address that there. I think Mike Pompeo is going to talk about you want somebody who has led on an international stage to take over right now because of religious liberty, because of the threat of China, because of Iran, Turkey, Russia. I know the players. I've stared them down. I've led on these things. I think he's going to highlight that. And I think Mike Pence is really going to probably take the message that, say, Mike Huckabee did in 2008. Uh, basically saying, hey, guys, I don't come just to you, but I come from you, meaning I believe what you believe, and I believe I have the cachet you know, to go the distance here. All three of them are going to have big person questions, uh, meaning as they, as they move on with this, uh, if they choose to get in the race. Uh, but this is a big person job. They need to be answering those questions. All right, so let me let me look at it from my point of view as the guy that just is the self-anointed uh, skeptic of all of sure. this at all times. Um, of those three talks, the one I'd be the most comfortable giving is Mike Pompeo's. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I, I think, and it would just be the most penciest thing ever to simply give an identity politics speech from like 2008 um, as if things haven't moved beyond that point in time and I know as many Bible verses as you and so it's totally okay that I ankle grabbed uh, for the rainbow jihad on First Amendment rights. It's totally cool that I'm, that I oversaw the disastrous commission that nearly irrevocably ended our way of life in the last year and a half. It's okay though because we go to the same Bible study. That is, that is a real 2007, 2008 play. And I think I just, I don't think that dog ain't going to hunt. Maybe you'll get some nice applause in that arena, but without Trump on this, uh, without Trump in a race, I don't think that plays over four, four five, six months as a campaign. And, and I, I think 
I think what also he will do, and matter of fact, uh, I would advise him to do it, is highlight and play on what did the Trump-Pence administration accomplish. That's a much better that, pitch. That this is what we did. So you guys can be upset with me about whatever it might be. See, but the smartest but play he can make is to, is to name himself Trump-Pence. Sure. And then dare Trump, if, assuming Trump doesn't run, I think you and I both now believe he is going to run. Is that true? Well, what, 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 what happened at CPAC, I was going to talk to you about this. Remember okay. the last time we talked about, you know, Trump starting to do these rallies again. Is there any coincidence? Yeah. DeSantis just beat him in a straw poll. Yeah. Well, now it's back on Trump's terms. <laughs> you know, if he runs, it's on his terms. If he doesn't run, it's on his terms. I think he wanted that CPAC poll. I don't want to be Jack Nixon. He needed that CPAC. Yeah, I can see that too. He wanted that CPAC poll, so it's the on his terms. It is the stronger his perception appears to be, maybe that actually diminishes the odds he'll put himself through the grind of another <laughs> campaign because he can get he can walk out like Joe Namath at the sure. at the Super Bowl with a finger in the air and it's I like, walked out on top yeah. on my own terms, yeah. right? I so could have. I, I can run. see that. I can see that. And okay. if, the, if our candidate doesn't beat Biden, I should have run. Yeah. That type of thing. I think that's actually really good analysis. Yeah. By the way, I didn't mean to sound patronizing. That's really that's good analysis. Pa- that's like, not that's patronizing. Something, like that's something you rarely come up with. <laughs> no, that, that's that's really good analysis. I had not thought about that. That's that's good stuff. So let's assume that he doesn't for a second. If I'm Pence, man, I'm naming my I'm, I'm switching my name to Trump Pence. Well, you'll you'll hear I, Trump Pence all the time. I okay. guarantee you have a son. And, and I'm going to dare Trump to come out and endorse over the top of me which he will likely do, but I'm going to make him do it. You know what I'm sure. saying? Until that moment comes, I'm going to make everybody think my name is Trump Pence. So I, yeah. I agree with that analysis as well. Christy Nome's take, you know, I, this is something I see men, a mistake I see men make more often. The, the notion of, of, of covering and being and, and too willing to expose my weaknesses and address them as opposed to accentuating my strengths. Mm-hmm. If I was Christy Nome, I'd never why go back and, and reset something that everyone other than you or is on your payroll thinks was dumb. I would, I would, I, to me, the smarter play is what she did at CPAC yesterday, kind of taking soft shots at DeSantis, you know, acting like you didn't close your beaches. I would just give an entire speech, man. Like I'm, I am the Margaret freaking Thatcher against COVID Stan. And I would act like there never was any of this gender stuff. It never happened. I'd never bring it up. I'd make other people bring it up. Why in the world would I volunteer that? So that then people go and research that and it's on their minds. I, I never bring that thing up. I'd make the Steve Daces of the world do that to me. I'm not going to bring it up on my own. I do have to tell you, when I, when I read parts of that CPAC of what she delivered, I thought, that is a gutsy move. Going after DeSantis and going after Abbott basically by saying, oh yeah, you're all, you're all leaders now on it, aren't you? But you weren't back then. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, game on, 2024. I, I was exactly where you're at, Steve. Like, uh, this is fun. She's showing I'm gutsy. I'm willing to take you on. I know it's early, but uh, let, let the games begin. I don't think it's smart to go after conservatives, whether it be Steve Dace or what Tucker Carlson or Bob Vanderplatz, for pushing back on you know, and by the way, the, the, that doesn't mean like we're unassailable. Right. It's because you're wrong. Yeah. And if you come at us with the fact you're wrong, we're just going to have to come back at you and point out to everybody all over again, you're wrong. Because you and I talked about even when, when that leadership decision was happening and why we still invited her to the leadership summit, there's a lot to like about Christine Ohm. A lot to like about Christine Ohm. So I, I, a little bit with you, what you talked about with Pence, uh, I would accentuate the positives here. So to me, the highest ceiling appearance, to, in my opinion, is Pompeo's because he's largely unknown and 
can can effectively craft his entire own identity if he chooses to do that. Here's what I'd say about Pompeo. Uh, Pompeo is an exceptionally strong candidate. And the bar, though, is pretty low for him about will he have the charisma Mm -hmm. and the dynamics Mm -hmm. to captivate a crowd. Because when you're leading the State Department, those speeches typically aren't real inspiring motivation. No, we don't want to set people off unnecessarily. And so you're sticking (laughs) to a teleprompter. If he comes out on that stage and he lights it up, I think it's game on there because he has got a serious, serious resume to run in 2024. All right. So I'm, if people around the country that are watching or listening right now, can they tune into this on Friday? Is it online or anything? In that right right now it's do? not. Uh, we're going to keep it to thefamilyleader.com. And afterwards, we're going to be letting out, you know, kind of a slow roll like a good poll would do. You know, here's what Noam had to say. Here's what Pompeo had to say. Here's what Reynolds had to say. Um, so we have some private links that are going to be out there, but publicly right now we're not going to do that. Uh, we're not so sure it's all that fair for the people who are paying, you know, the 75. But after the fact, if but, people but after, want to watch the, speeches after, and things of that nature? But after the fact, we are definitely going to make content available. Okay. What are you, what would be your, that's so cringe, okay? <laughs> because And sometimes, by the way, I mean, I, I was at one of these, it was this event in 2015, and I'm sitting there back, and I've told this story many times. I'm, <laughs> I'm standing 20 feet from Trump, waiting for him presumably to walk off that stage and close the sale with me while he tells, while he tells the audience he's never asked God for forgiveness. Norman Vincent Peale is his, is his spiritual shaman who makes Joel Osteen look like Augustine of Hippo, okay? I mean, I... I like I, veterans who weren't captured. Yeah, yes, and I'm just sitting there thinking, this... Is over. This thing's over, Okay. <laughs> And, of course, um, it might have ended up vaulting him to the presidency. So maybe you and I's cringe meter is not the most accurate. We should perhaps contemplate that. Okay. But what would be in about a minute? What would be like, oh, that's cringe. Don't do that. Yeah, I I don't think it will be. I I, I don't expect a cringe factor. Uh, I think from Pence would be, you know, I want to debate January 6th with this base. I wouldn't do that. Uh, It could be where Christy Noem says, uh, I'm right, you're wrong. Kind of that would be a. I would say I would not do that. Uh, I'm not sure what Pompeo could do. I, I don't know as much about him in regards to some things that he could say. I, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. And so maybe the the biggest cringe alert we have is having Steve Dace being interviewed by Bob. <laughs> Aaron. We're we're gonna, we're going to turn the tables. I get to interview Steve. The only difference is let's tell our team. The only difference is I'm going to let him talk. <laughs> no, I kidding. Uh, this should be no, a lot, there is no question. I have I have the highest potential for <laughs> that. Is so cringe. It's not uh, even. It's it's not. That's why I took myself off the board. We're not even taking bets on that right now. I mean, the odds are I'm I'm the betting favorite on that. That's why we're looking at people with far more respectable reputations. You know, every year we hear when people leave that is the best leadership summit I've ever attended, and I guarantee you this year we're going to hear that again. All right, where can people go again, real quick? If they the want thefamilyleader.com. Thefamilyleader.com. And that's where there will be clips of this uh, later in the weekend yep. after the event on Friday. Okay. You bet. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Our Monday town hall is next. Your opportunity to ask me anything. The snottier, the better. Of course, I've not seen any of these questions ahead of time. They've all been picked by Todd. So I look forward to being blindsided yet again when we come back. Stay tuned. Back 
back again. Hour number two underway here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab, and follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. If you're looking for clips of the show uh, that you can uh, watch for free, hopefully then share and like with others, uh, go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show, rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And if you're a podcast listener, we're looking for you to please hit uh, that five-star review. Give us one of those, uh, the subscribe or follow button, whichever applies to your podcast platform of preference. Thanks to all of you who have done that for us already. You have contributed to the explosive growth of this podcast in the last year. And we thank you for that and would ask those of you that like us and haven't done so yet to uh, please take a few minutes out of your day today, make that contribution for us as well. I will also be contributing to our colleague Jason Whitlock's show Fearless later today right here on Blaze TV. So make sure you look for that. We're going to get into uh, the latest Tucker Carlson controversy, which I wrote about for the Blaze uh, over the weekend, as well as uh, kind of an overall look at the state of conservative and alternative media. We'll be discussing that today on Fearless with Jason Whitlock and yours truly. There will be much smashing of the shibboleths of the damned, I am sure, when you get the two of us together. So I'm almost looking more forward to that than my own show today. (laughs) That's how much I'm excited uh, to do that show with with Whitlock. And early on, the early returns, uh, this is not counting votes in Antrim County, Michigan. I mean, this this is is legit. I mean, this is pretty much what uh, I was hoping was going to happen. When I got the inkling several months ago that we were going to bring him on board. So uh, if you're not listening and tuning in to, to Whitlock's show, just to get challenged, just to hear viewpoints you don't get to hear a lot from anybody, white or black, frankly, or Hispanic or straight or gay or anybody else. Just a guy who's been to the top of the journalism mountain, you know, and it's just, dude, it's just keeping it real. I mean, as the kids say today, I mean, they're just... There aren't any punches pulled at all, and his Uncle Jimmy on there, um, his kind of sidekick there. Uh, anytime Whitlock attempts to be like, eh, I don't know if I want to go there. Uncle Jimmy, he's worse than you, dude. He is worse than you, all right? Todd was originally, the original role he was given on this show was to stop me from um, going there and self-immolating. Now he just hands me matches every day. And that's what Uncle Jimmy is doing to poor Jason Whitlock. So I look forward to being on his program uh, later on here on Blaze TV. Uh, This portion of the show brought to you by our friends at Freedom Project Academy. Parents, listen up. Saw somebody just tweeted me during the break about now they've got evidence of critical racist theory landing in the schools in Nebraska. They got to push back on. Who knows? Uh, First of all, mount every effort you can to get rid of it. But we are sitting here in mid-July. Who knows if you've got the time to do so between now and the next school year, at least give it your best shot. But if indeed it gets down to the end and you're like, I'm not subjecting my kids to this crap, what are my options? Freedom Project Academy is a great option. I've seen it, how it works firsthand. My own son, Noah, was an FPA student for a couple of years. I know Dr. Duke Pesta, who helped to found the school as well. Do not let your kids be dumbed down. Give them a classical curriculum based on Judeo-Christian values and not uh, mastery of propaganda, but subject matter and not taught what to think 
but critical thinking, how to think. If you want to get more information on this, freedomforschool.com is where you can go to get your free information packet right now at freedomforschool.com. All right, let's get it going. We haven't done one of these in a while. It's our Monday Town Hall, Ask Me Anything. Our followers on MeWe get to ask the questions today. Todd, If it's been a while, so let me reset the drill. Uh, we put out the clarion call over the weekend, and then I don't look at any of what's in the comment sections. I don't look at any of the questions that are posed. Todd, you select those questions and hand them off to Aaron. I have no idea what these questions will be, what order, subject matter, nothing. It's all off the top of my head, and of course, the snottier questions go to the front of the line. Yeah, but today we're going to church. All right. We'll begin with Jeff Vull. Hebrews 6, 5 through 9 talks about obeying your earthly master. Because Todd and Aaron are your employees, are you their earthly master? If you made a policy that said, unless you can show proof of vaccination, you must wear a mask over your mouth and nose, but you never enforced the policy would they, Todd and Aaron, be sinning against you if they didn't obey? Well, if I didn't enforce the policy, then what would be the point of it? Number one. But what Hebrews is talking about there is the same thing we've addressed before that Peter talks about in one of his epistles at the end of the New Testament. Hebrews, by the way, is one of my favorite books in all of the New Testament. Uh, would highly, highly recommend it. Uh, my wife actually just sent me a note today asking me, hey, I'm looking for a book for my next Bible study. What do you suggest? And that was one of her three options. I said, I'd go with that one. It's one of my favorites. So I'm a big fan of Hebrews. Uh, but what the writer of Hebrews is addressing there is a similar theme to what Peter addresses when he says when he talks about honoring the king. What Paul addresses in Romans 13, it's, a, it's an assertion of a chain of command. So we don't, we don't obey our earthly masters in lieu of obeying our heavenly father. Unless our earthly masters ask us to do something that violates the commandments of our heavenly father, we're to be obedient. We're to be peacemakers. But we don't offer more than that. We don't offer less than that, but we don't offer more than that. Let me give you an example of how I've, I've worked this out earlier in my career. I'm never, I've never really been somebody, I've never been, first of all, I don't work for the Blaze. I, I own my own company. They contract with me to acquire my content like a vendor would, a, like a company that owns vending machines would work with Coke well, they own their own machines, but would work with a candy bar or chip company that they, hey, that'll sell a lot. We want that in our machines. Okay. So I'm a vendor, but they, because ultimately they're the platform that carries us, they do have some oversight in what we say, because if they're not interested in the content, they wouldn't buy it. Right. Right. But they like, they just would not come to me and say, hey, we want you to take this position on this or not talk about that because it just wouldn't. First of all, it's not kind of in the DNA of why we what we do here at the Blaze. That's why it's probably one of the few places I could actually make a living, all right, on this level. But anybody who's been around me for five or ten minutes just knows that ain't homie don't play that. When I was a local radio guy, same thing. 
don't ask. I, I, I once told a general manager, if you ask me to apologize, you're firing me because my answer is no. So just go ahead. If that's, if that's what you're going to do, fire me now and I'll just go file unemployment here in 10 minutes when I'm out the door. But I'm never apologizing if I'm not wrong. So my answer is no. I'm very unwielding about how, how much freedom I get to have when this mic goes hot. Very. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Very. Right? I'm, I'm not very flexible on attempts to try to rein in the freedom to say what I want to say when this mic goes hot. Right? Correct. What about when the mic isn't on? Just about anything you ask of me when the mic isn't on, if I can do it, will I try to do it? Yeah. If I can make, if I can accommodate it. any last minute request, hey, my kid has just got invited to the nationals. Can I be gone? Done. Done. The, the reason why is I emulate passages like this in the scriptures. See, to me, this here, this is the reason I'm on this earth. The reason God made me, gave me the talents and skills that he gave me is to do this. I do this for him and not for you, ultimately, or myself. That's why I've made certain decisions in my career that has limited it in the past and probably do so still daily, <laughs> okay? All right. That's why Bruce Jenner and his mental illness was doing Radio Row at CPAC this weekend and not the co-author of arguably the best-selling conservative book of this year, okay? But I'm okay with that to some extent because I know that's the calculus. I made that call, right? So I'm a big boy, take the consequences for it. But when I'm off the air, when I'm off the air, I go out of my way to obey my earthly masters. If I can do something extra for somebody, if I can call a client. When I was in local radio, I went on client calls and stuff in my spare time all the time. If I can go the extra mile for a coworker, for one of my employees here, I will. Because I think that's the trade-off. And that's the trade-off that's being offered here in Hebrews and in Romans and in, and in Peter's epistle. Because there's going to be a conflict. Eventually, the system will come to us. The, the state will come to us. The spirit of the age will come to us and say, we really appreciate how far you've been willing to accommodate, but that's not good enough. We want it all, right? Yeah. That's always how it works. It's never truly satisfied, right? Right. And we're going to have to draw that line and say, you don't get that. Render under Caesar, that doesn't belong to you. But our job's not to be the ones that provoke that. It's like what Paul says in Acts. When the people on a, on a Greek island run him off. And he says, well, you guys have chosen, you guys have decided that eternal life is not for you. So off I go. Did, did he size them up in advance and say, you know, I just don't think this audience is worthy of this, so I'm just not going to preach it to them. I'm, no. I'm going to eject. No. no. But when they made that decision, did he eject? Shake the dust from his That's sandals. right. And he, but how did he, how, notice how he phrases that. You made the decision that this isn't, eternal life's not for you. Eternal hell is. So off I go. First ship out. So we don't provoke this zero-sum game. We're just prepared for it. And anybody that does business with me knows 
If you try to interfere with this, what goes on through here to you in the audience, that is a no-go zone. Ain't happening. Don't do. Don't sign me. Don't employ me. Don't align with me. Don't syndicate me. Don't don't distribute me. If you can't handle that, if I if I when I worked at Salem, I didn't work for them. I think I was the only person there. Prager, all of them, that wasn't their employee. Is that's what they told me? Don't know if it's true or not, but that was also on purpose. Now away from this, though, man, I I will. As much as my doughy middle will allow me, I will contort and bend myself backwards to help you and do anything I possibly can for you. Because I don't, I don't want to provoke that zero-sum game. I don't want that to happen. So if it does happen, you're the one that made it happen, not me. Just know going in what my answer is going to be, and it's the magic word we said at the very beginning of the show. No. But in this case, how much do I even care about my own edict if I'm not going to enforce it? Right? All right. Anybody want to add any of that? Is that good? All right, next question. Great. Moving on to Linda Legos. Do you believe we'll be successful in our bid to get cameras in the classroom? That's Mark Levin's suggestion. I've seen, yeah. I've, 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 a lot of people are talking about this now, too, I've seen. Uh, I'm all for it, 100%. And I don't want to hear any, this is not a surveillance state. It's the, ob- it's the opposite of that. It, it's us it's surveilling our own employees. It's us surveilling the state. It's not a surveillance state. It's us surveilling the state. The idea that you get to sit in a room with my kids for hours without any direct knowledge or supervision from me. Tell me what's all government of the, by the consent of the governed about that, right? Yeah. So I'm, I am 10,000% for this. 10,000%. In fact... I even think we should offer a trade. They'll never take it, which is why I think we should offer it. We will allow you to continue masking our children in exchange for the cameras. We won't fight you on masks. And in fact, we'll even throw one more in. We won't fight you on masks and we'll let CRT CRT in the curriculum go for this year. We won't fight you on that either. In exchange for the cameras. Think they would take that trade? No. Oh, yeah. Hell no, they're not taking that trade. You're playing the game I play when we talk about yes. abortion and you give me rape, incest, and health of mother. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you that and you give me all the rest of them. Right. They never take it. Absolutely. Because if there's nothing if there's nothing to, to hide from CRT, then go ahead and teach it away. We're just going to put cameras in the classroom. So I saw several people doing this over the weekend. I kept meaning to, meaning to comment on it. It's just like there were so many other stupid things people were saying I felt like I had to address. So I'm glad we got a question about this. But a lot of smart people, Mark included, are talking about this. I'm, it's, it's one of those things that after somebody else thought of, you're like, wow, maybe we should have th- had this conversation like 10 years ago because it's so obvious. How did we not think about it? It's, it's genius. It's absolutely something we ought to do. And I think we ought to offer a trade for it, granting them several of their own premises. Because they won't take it. Because those other premises are all false objections. Or their second or third level demands. What they really want is the unfettered access to your offspring. It's their youth ministry. That's what the spirit of the age really wants. Doesn't want the oversight. Doesn't want the transparency. Next, we'll go to Greg Ebersole. The response to the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus should have been a response by Christian groups to make a song about conversion therapy. 
if these quote-unquote men want to engage in that battle, turnabout is fair play. I love the spirit of this. I think the application needs to be on point, though. So I'm I'm all for turning the premise around. It's Greg that sent that. I think that's a that's a smart idea, Greg. But I also think the application of how this would be done needs to be on point. Or as my kids would say, on fleek. Okay? It needs to be on point. What do I mean by that? I would not make it about conversion therapy. I would not make it, we troll you back. First of all, most Americans don't even know what that means. Secondly, you know, my wife is a Christian counselor. Conversion therapy, the reason they call it that is because they don't want to call it what it really is. Um, Repentance, rebirth, and restoration. Now, if, if you were the rainbow jihad, what would you rather market against? Something called conversion therapy or something called repentance, rebirth, and, and restoration. What do you guys think is the easier counter-marketing gesture? What do you think? Conversion therapy. Because it sounds like it's like right out of a camp, like in Austria in the 1930s. Yes. Yeah, it, uh, That's why they called it that, because they know that. Right? That's why they call it abortion and not baby kills. So, no, we're not going to use that terminology. Instead, where we are, but I love the spirit of what you want to do. But to me, the application has got to, it's got to stick the landing here, man. Even the East German judge has to at least give us a six. How do you do that? You go get the species of Americans that the system wants you to believe do not exist, of which I have interviewed numerous examples throughout my career. The most recent one, I think, was last year, the year before, we had Beckett Cook on the show, right? Mm -hmm. Former, uh, maybe even current still, Hollywood uh, stylist, designer, if I remember correctly. Yep. All right. He's had a Christian conversion and left homosexuality behind. Now, he's actually kind of blown up a little bit. He's mm-hmm. got a show that's 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 catching an audience. He's catching a social media audience. To me, I think you go get stories of, of true freedom in Christ. They want to market against conversion therapy. Christianity isn't a conversion therapy. It's life transformation. It's freedom. And you go get people like Beckett Cook with incredible stories to tell, and you just put together a three-minute video that's an amalgamation of all their stories, kind of a three- to five-minute video, that's an amalgamation of all their stories kind of coming together. And we don't have to return spite for spite. Zero times zero is still what, guys? Zero. Zero. Now, this is where we're going to shine a light in the darkness. And we're going to come back with true freedom instead. And instead of the fake rainbow minus a color with only six, and then that's an awful coincidence, isn't it? That mm-hmm. the rainbow they flag they only has six colors. Could have done five. They could have done seven. Yeah, and they went with. Or any number of the genders. Six. That's went with that number. Awfully weird. Anyway, um, we actually show a real rainbow, how the gospel has can penetrate regardless of what color the melanin is in your skin or lack thereof, or where you were born or what language you speak. You may be coming for our children, but Christ came for me. That's, oh, that'll preach right there. There you go, brother. Now that, 
Now, Greg, I think we've taken your genius concept and come up with an idea that won't provide them an instant counter troll. See, what we want to do is come up with something so effective that they will do the only thing they can do. Ignore it. You know, like when they came up to Christ and he had answers that were so good, they just mumbled and shuffled their feet and walked off. They couldn't come. There was no challenge. Couldn't do anything. I think we wrote a book that had that effect on yes. people. <laughs> so we don't want to provide an instant counter to them. We want to end the argument. We don't want an ongoing dialogue. We want decisive argumentation. That kind of approach, I think, would end this conversation. And they would want to pretend like it never happened because there's no comeback to it. Next up, Terry Wears, Hebrews 6.5, back to Hebrews 6 again, uh, makes the interesting comment that we as Christians taste the powers of the age to come. I'm guessing that God and his omnipotence, knowing that we would address the powers of this age, equipped us with the necessary powers to come out victorious. Two questions. What do you think those powers are? And two, what do you think victory looks like? All right, now leave that up there so that I can... Um, I think in our age, those powers are what we call the spirit of the age on our show, which is the, the spiritual manifestation of what we view in, on platforms like this one or within audiences like this or, um, within alternative or conservative media to be political or philosophical opposition, progressivism, Democrats, etc. Those answers are true. They're just not sufficient. And I, I think if you don't truly acknowledge or understand who your opponent or your enemy is, your odds of defeating them are diminished. I saw something Jesse Kelly posted over the weekend wondering when are more people on the right going to come to grips with what we're really up against? And I wrote back to him, my friend, I'm, I'm not so sure. I used to think a lot of our people just didn't want to admit this. A lot of our peers in this industry. Now I'm of the belief that actually I don't think that's true because too much has been exposed the last few years. You'd, you'd have to lie to yourself now, right? Okay. I, I, I think... It's, it's, it's more so I'm not willing to pay the cost for admitting it because mm -hmm. that, that ain't going to work good with your algorithm finite, you know, uh, business model. You can look around our industry and you can see that there are certain outlets in certain places that won't touch certain issues. No matter what comes out from a court, from a data set, it doesn't matter. Why? Because they're algorithm driven. And it, it doesn't play well on those algorithms to go there. And then they'll often compensate by going all the way to the mattresses on the issues that they can go to the mat that they, they feel freed up to go to the mattresses on. I'll give you an example. I won't specify it. But one of the mucky mucks here at the blaze showed me what's happened to uh, data-wise, what's happened to my social media presence since January 6th. And they're just, the major platforms are just crushing me every chance they get. And then showed me 
someone else who who has never brought up the issues associated with January 6th or ever talked about them or the dangers of vaccines now. That's those are the two issues if those are the the, the things we can't touch right now from according to big tech are election fraud and the vaccines. But this person is great on like every other issue and their traffic has just skyrocketed past mine. That's an example of what I'm talking about. From my own from my own standpoint. The reason I go there it's not that I'm tougher or braver or more courageous. It's that I really believe we are up against spiritual malevolence and I want to win. I'm at, that's what's ironic about this. I'm actually driven by a pretty craven instinct. I'm a guy with a healthy ego and I hate to friggin' lose. I want to win. And I don't think I can win if I don't acknowledge my enemy for what it really is. Because when they put me in the ground, I want demons in hell to wipe the sweat off their brow, thankful for the day that God called me home because their jobs got at least a little bit easier without me here on the third rock from the sun, vertical. That to me is a win. That gets to your second question. I, I, I think that's how we need to define winning. We often define winning by vindication. I'm personally vindicated somehow. I'm personally recognized somehow. Why did David go down into the Valley of Elah? He'd already been anointed a king. He hadn't claimed the position yet. Did he go down there to say, this is my origin story so that the world may know that God consecrated a shepherd boy in the middle of nowhere to be king of Israel one future day I've shown up to know, so you know, I am the hero you've been waiting for. Is that what he said? No. He said, so that the world may know that there is a God in Israel. That's the difference between vindication is, I'm announcing me. Victory, Victory says, I'm here because of and for him. That's a big difference. And I don't think we're going we're gonna to win on vindication. That's largely driven by ego and emotion. It's going to be really hard to out-ego and out-emote a spirit of the age whose mantra and, and slogan is, ye be like God. It's going to be really hard to out-emote and out-ego yeah. that group, right? Yeah. So we're going to have to rely and push more for victory. And that, that comes from proclaiming the glory of God, not the glory of us. Believe me, if, if I thought there was a way I could do that and I would get a lot richer and be far more significant, I'd be doing that, guys. I'm just a guy named Steve. Do not, uh, uh, do not cast pious aspersions upon me I am not deserving of, okay? But I just, I don't believe there's a way to win other than his way. So... I'm not making a pious choice, but a pretty pragmatic one. I don't like losing, so I'm going to align myself with the only undefeated being in all of history. 
because I think that's probably the most pragmatic choice I could possibly make. Hey, Amen. You guys want to comment on that? Because I don't know if we have time to get to another one before the break. Well, I would say uh, just going back to early Christian history, you know, the it's defining victory. It's, uh, you know, it, depending on the emperor, you know, it was kind of a roller coaster. Uh, but uh, Christianity just wasn't uh, wine and roses uh, right out of the gate. Yet a uh, non-Christian historian, Josephus, he's the one who said, look how they love each other. Is it not, mm-hmm. Steve? Yep. Uh, that's that's what victory. He was the non-Messianic Jewish historian yes. of antiquity yes. that is considered the most accredited source in academia for that early, that era of Jewish history. Yes. It's to show no matter what yoke we are wearing, what thorn is in our side, that the victory is already won and we can display it through word and deed. I would say answering the first question, what are those powers um, that come out victorious, if, if you want to call it that? I mean, if you're a believer, that's the Holy Spirit. I think it's First Timothy. Uh, we're, we're not given a spirit of fear, but of power. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's in the eternal spiritual realm. But that Definitely he manifests itself in the way that we uh, conduct ourselves in this world. We're not afraid about eternal things. That gives us power to do the right thing while we're on this planet. Amen. We'll come back. More of our Monday Town Hall Ask Me Anything is next. If protecting your family is a top priority and you want to do it safely and, frankly, with at least some level of amusement, if you don't ask me, if you, if you, if you, if you ask me, uh, the people at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better. Self-defense Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse. Yes, they are also powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Uh, They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. And they come uh, with features like laser-assisted targeting, emergency dispatch, um, and more. Uh, They save, on average, every year over 200,000 lives. So if you want to make sure you could potentially be one of them, if the case uh, presents itself, unfortunately. Check them out. They uh, can be purchased and used without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus, the Taser Strike Light. You can get them all at taser.com slash Steve. That's taser.com promo code Steve, I should say. Taser.com promo code Steve. That'll save you 15% right now when you go to T-A-S-E-R Taser. Dot com promo code Steve 15% off one of the coolest things I think you can own I love these things taser.com I love watching people getting tased I like it especially when they deserve it you don't have to deserve it I like it in general but if you deserve it I feel less guilty about it and like it all the more right yes I have a bit of a taser fetish I, I will own up to that uh, taser.com promo code Steve all right back to our Monday town hall ask me anything courtesy of our followers on me we questions selected by Todd not previously seen by me moving on we'll go to Dennis Abernathy discuss how the two kingdom philosophy aka Lutheran Calvinism that Bonhoeffer first subscribed to 
has destroyed Western civilization and has effectively neutered the church. <laughs> Where's the question mark in there? Oh, that... You wanted snotty? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> At church. Best of both worlds. What's beautiful about this, Todd, uh, what church do you belong to? The Catholic Church. What eschatology do they teach over there? What, what eschatology, eschatological view were you kind of taught over there in your catechism growing up? Well, we don't generally obsess about eschatology. Yeah, but you were taught a view, right? Oh, no, well. This one. It, you were no, taught this one. Well, it's The no, two kingdoms well, view. The city well, no, of man and the city of God. Well, you were taught this view. I know that's what your side of the fence thinks. I don't have a side of the fence, by the way. But okay? the, the, the broad... <laughs> That on some level enjoys the color-coded rapture chart. Chart. I'm not arguing that if, if they have to default to one, but this is just mo- and and it can be in error. I'm simply pointing out that this is not something that the modern post-Vatican II Church in any way obsesses over. Again, that you can fault us for that, but it's but it's, historically, historically, I, I'm only bringing this up because he's wants to specifically sure, pour, sure. Dennis wants to specifically pick on the Lutherans okay but um this has been systemically a much adopted post augustinian eschatological view within the christian church sure not just protestant or catholic but has has allegiances across a theological divide that exists in other areas so for those of you that don't know what Dennis is talking about, let me let me explain this in the most layman term as I possibly can. But the idea of a two-kingdom view, sometimes in fancy theological circles, this is referred to amillennialism, like an A in front of the word millennial, okay? Um, the, the, the idea of a two-kingdom view really comes primarily, as we understand it, from Augustine's, maybe his seminal work, uh, City of God where Augustine describes that using Jesus's parable of the sheep and the goats, and this is when, I'm sorry, the parable of the weeds, my bad. This is when the farmer is awakened in the middle of the night by his, by his workers, and they say, hey, someone has come and planted a lot of weeds in your garden. And he says, an enemy has done this. And they ask, should we go out there and pluck these out? And he said, no, they will basically just grow side by side. And then at the end, they will be separated from one another, right? That's kind of where it comes from, okay? So Augustine extrapolated this in City of God to a real world setting where the idea that this eschatological event is actually playing out or a, or a proto version of it is playing out in real time in the church age, okay? If I get any of this wrong, smack me because this is more of your line of catechesis, even though I'm an Augustine fan, but this would be more in your wheelhouse fair. So right. if I misrepresent any of this, you know, call a foul. Okay. Cause I don't want, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to stack the deck. All right. Okay. And so this is the idea that the city of man and the city of God are almost like magnets. And when you put two magnets together, they fight one another for the superior, who has the superior polarity, the superior pole gravitational pole and at the tension there's a little lap layover between these two but they really are separate kingdoms until the time when christ will return and then reconcile this these the the weeds and and the fruit or the crop the sheep or the goats he'll reconcile those two things himself okay when he comes to judge the quick and the dead is that okay am i okay so far okay this is also very popular in traditional Lutheranism, 
and other Protestant denominations. Um, not as popular in Protestantism as it used to be since about the late 19th century, a view called premillennialism has become the dominant eschatological view in Western Protestantism, particularly in our day and time. Although uh, another view that was popular uh, post-Reformation and at the, at the, in the colonial era, at the time the country's founding, post-millennialism is, is seeing a bit more of a surge as well because you're seeing a, a surge in Reformed theology, but now we're getting into theological weeds here that go beyond the scope of the question. And so one of the things that's been posited about two kingdoms theology or eschatology it, they're really one because they are merged together. The idea that in light of this eschatology, we theologically acknowledge this truth in the world until Christ returns is it's often fairly or unfairly. It's often blamed for the behavior of the church in Germany at the rise of Nazism, that much of the church was in Germany was co-opted by Nazism um, it, where the state-sanctioned Lutheran church, the pastor would wear the cross and the iron cross from the pulpit. And that they saw no conflict between their Nazi nationalism with their, their, their belonging to a transcendent, eternal bride, a family of Christ, because that was in the city of man. And so they were dual citizens. They were both citizens of the city of man and then also in the city of God. And since they did not draw a clear line against the rise of Nazism, but instead either kept quiet or openly aided and abetted it because they had their own German pride nationalistic biases as German citizens, they indulged it and either looked the other way or allowed themselves to be co-opted with limited exceptions. A couple of them would be what he mentioned, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and then who was the gentleman that gave the famous sermon about when they came for the when they came for the 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 gypsies and the homosexuals? I said nothing. When they came for the Jews, I didn't say anything because I wasn't one of them either. And then they, when they came for me, there was no one to say anything for me. I can't Martin remember. Niemöller. Niemöller, yeah. thank you. Was the was a member of this sort of dissident group. But Niemöller and, and Bonhoeffer were way the exceptions. More than overwhelmingly, the church in Germany either laid down to Nazism or um, succumbed to it. And I think what Dennis would say, in, if looking at the way he framed his question, is that if they had taken either a pre- or post-millennial view, that would not have happened. Meaning if they had taken a post-millennial view... That the church is distinct and victorious over human history. That the church would have been would have been repulsed by the idea of Nazism coming to it and saying, you need to become a vessel and a ward of the state when the church views itself as the dominant victorious institution towards in, 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 to the end of the age. Or if they had taken a premillennial view, they would have seen this as some kind of proto-version, if not the enactment of, of, of end times events themselves that would cause them to raise the alert level and oppose this whole cloth, recognizing this was antichristical and that this was either a, the literal abomination of desolation that Jesus warns about at the Olivet Discourse or some proto-version of it 
that should be opposed just on the merits of that alone. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then the question becomes, does Dennis have a point? I Here's the problem with saying, on a, on a philosophical level, I can see that... De- I, actually, let me put it this way. On a philosophical level, Dennis, I think you have a strong point. However, amillennialism is the least popular eschatological position in America today. Even though it is the dominant eschatological position of the number one Christian church membership in the country, the Catholic Church, you yourself said a few minutes ago, though, this level of eschatological inquiry is just not part and parcel with the daily catechesis of American Catholic. Fair? Now, the point I was trying to make before is the the, the vote we've had on the past or the poll about how many evangelicals have even heard of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. That's the point I'm trying to yep. make. And it's, I think, it's a fundamental, and but... And it's going to reinforce the point I'm about yes. to make, okay? The overwhelming majority, therefore... So let's take Catholics off the board as, on an institutional level. If, if contemporary eschatological inquiry is not part of a daily catechesis of the average Catholic's mindset in America, let's take that church off the table. Aaron, let's go down to our, our tribe, mm-hmm. the Protestant church. Right. What's the percentage, would you say, are post or pre-millennial? Amongst Protestants? Yes. Well over 65%, I would say. Yeah. And okay. I would, and then I would say amongst those that between pre-millennial or post, pre-millennials are way ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. And yet, what is the topic we spend most of our time addressing on this show, really more than any other in light of what's going on. When the state came last year and said, shut your churches down, where were these these legions of premillennial and postmillennial churches who said, no, you don't do that to us. We are the supreme institution of the age, or we recognize this level of tyranny from an antichristical source, so we will resist. Where were they? Notice the silence. So here's my point. Philosophically, Dennis, I agree with you. But people aren't philosophies. They're people. Total depravity means any theology, any philosophy is capable of being corrupted. Why? Because we are. We are. I would argue the church in Germany was led by such feckless leadership. It didn't matter if they all knew Calvin's Institutes on the Christian Religion. Every volume, verbatim, They were all going to go down and succumb. Why is the end of the hour music playing? We're way I thought we had like three minutes left. Yeah, we still got one more live read to go to. Okay, I know we do. (laughs) I I hear Ron in my ear panicking and we're playing (laughs) music, but my clock says I got three and a half minutes. Exactly. Okay, just to reset that. Okay, back to the point I was trying to make here. It's okay, Ron. We all make mistakes. Don't worry about it. Let me get back to the point I was trying to make. Put Calvin's Institutes on the Christian Religions in the hands of those Lutheran bishops in 1930s Germany, and they're going to make the same damn... Well, this is an example of the church's supremacy. Hitler has come to lead us into a a golden age. It's our sinfulness that drives us to bad theologies and bad theological applications more so than bad theologies and bad theological applications drive us to our own sinfulness. That's my opinion. 
Now, we'll do realestateagentsicantrust.com in these unprecedented times. Or if you're like ahead of time, like we just were, three minutes ahead of the rest of the world. All right, so if you're ahead of time or in these unprecedented times, thank, thank you, uh, where would you go to find a real estate agent that you could trust? Well, the name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website you want to go to, and you're going to find almost anywhere in America and sometimes, if not often, it's with a fellow Blaze uh, viewer or watcher just like you. You're going to find, we're going to help you find an agent with a track record, fully vetted, proven of success who will come in, take charge of your situation. But remember that you're ultimately the one that's in charge around here and lead you to the finish line of what can be one of the more stressful things you'll ever do in your life. All right. The real estate market. So make sure before you sign on with anybody else, you sign on to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, the name of that website and the name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. Any thoughts on that last answer I just gave? Well, it's where I was hoping it would ultimately uh, end up at the beginning. The, the notion of the, if we just had the right manual, and just having the manual in our hand, and therefore the work is done, it, it's not even close to done at that point. And this goes, having the very Bible uh, in your hand it is not a guarantee of anything uh, resembling salvation. Work it out in fear and in trembling. And that's the great point Steve made at the end there. Um, in, and he made a point often that you made a, with football with a, who, I can win with yours and he can win with yeah, that, the old that, Bear Bryant line. You made yeah. a point like that right there yeah. uh, that, that I think is very germane to what we're uh, talking about. One of the things that I found most fascinating in listening to Todd and Steve talk off air, this was probably three or four years ago, but it still <laughs> sticks out in my head on a conversation. I believe it was during the 500th anniversary mm -hmm. of the Reformation or something like that. There were several conversations where you know, the Catholic and the evangelical or Protestant perspective. And uh, Todd said something along the lines of, I think something that, that you kind of ended up with here, Steve, is that every theological position that Catholic and the Protestant church kind of come into conflict with, either in the ca case of the Catholic church, it started because of those uh, believers over there doing something wrong. It's always a reaction to mm -hmm. something or some sinfulness that's going on within one of these two camps. What is the point of theology? It's to help us love the Lord with our minds. That is always the point. And when we and when it becomes anything other than that, we start to get into some of these dark holes, which end up causing some mayhem and some sinfulness themselves. We're going to stick around with the overtime for the rest of you. We will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.